A lot of people are starting to advertise on podcast apps because, well, they have listeners there. And so I'm bringing on Tanner Campbell, and he's advertised in a lot of different apps and has experience. And so I brought him on to share his experience, which ones are expensive, which ones aren't, which one works, who should be doing this, when should you be doing this. It's all about advertising on podcast apps. And then we also have some insights into the question of the month. For the first time ever, it kind of tanked. But we'll share the question of the month is when do you bring things back if it's a topic that your audience loves. And at the very end, I just want to let you know, and again, I'll repeat this later, The End has an opinion piece about Podcast Movement 22. Why? Because it's not about growing and planning and monetizing your podcast. So, Dave, why are you talking about it? Because I had people that said, really, I want to hear your opinion. What happened? You were there. So that's at the very end of the show. And if you don't want to listen to it, just skip it. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005, I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you are new to the show, I help podcasters. It's what I do. I have a website. It's called theschoolofpodcasting.com, where I help you plan, launch, and grow your podcast. And usually I tell you to use a coupon code, and that coupon code is LISTENER. Now I'm telling you just go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash listener, and that coupon will automatically be supplied. And along with that discount, you get my step-by-step tutorials. You get our private mastermind group filled with awesome podcast brains, and you get me, and now you can send me a text. You can send me audio. You can send me video. You can send me a file. There are so many ways. It's like having me right next to you as you plan, launch, and grow your podcast. I always like to start off with a quick tip, but uh, this month we're going to do something a little different. Normally, I play the answers from the question of the month on the last episode of the month. Well, the last episode of August 2022, I was coming home from Podcast Movement. I'll be talking about Podcast Movement later. And uh, this is the first time this kind of blew up in my face. Every time I do a question of the month, I always wonder, is anyone going to reply? And the answer was one person. And so what was the question of the month? And it was, we have these different topics that our audience loves to hear. So in this particular show, people love to hear about growing their their podcast. People love to talk about microphones and gear. And the question is, how often do you come back? Because you might feel like you're just doing a giant repeat. And here's the one reply we got from Brian. This is Brian from Relaxed Mail, and you can reach my uh, my side over at relaxedmail.com. That's mail as in the dude. And the show, my show is about helping men get the nice guy out of their life so that they can actually live life on their own terms. And I do this by helping men to see what's where they're 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 struggling and where they're the problems of finding their happiness, finding the ability to relax actually come from. I have actually four key pillars that I actually help men with. And those four pillars are man's mind, man's body, man's soul, man's community. And I try to 
incorporate those into each show doesn't always happen, but those key elements that I am helping to draw men in with get mentioned on a fairly regular basis. And they, we are always bringing, bringing them up, reinforcing what that is. So it's not, there may be two or three shows down the road that don't get them, but then eventually I bring, bring it all back. There you go. Thank you, Brian. And I will say helping guys remove the nice guy is a different tagline that kind of sounds like I'm helping people be jerks. And I know that's not what you mean. My thought on this is when do you return to a topic? Well, obviously if you have new information, then you can come back, but there is another part. And for me, it was back on episode 840, and I was talking about the mental health, the mental aspect of podcasting, and it's something I've hit a few times through the 17 years that I've been doing this, and when I came back this time, the only really piece that I had was YouTubers were coming out of the woodwork saying, I'm miserable, and I'm rich, in a nutshell. And I was like, well, that's new and nobody's talking about it. And there are people that are literally really miserable. And what got me to press record on that was a, I had new material, but number two was like, Hey, I want to talk about this. Like me, Dave Jackson wanted to talk about that. I just felt moved. Like I just, I don't know, a gut reaction. I was like, somebody needs to hear this. And if you can do that in a real way, Real always wins. When you are being yourself, that's always a good thing. Over the weekend here, there was a concert for the drummer of the Foo Fighters. His name was Taylor Hawkins. He is dead at the age of 50, and he died back in March, and they had this huge concert. Paul McCartney was there, all these different musicians, and at one point, Dave Grohl, the lead singer of the Foo Fighters, came out and did a, a show or a song called uh, Times Like These. And the chorus is, as time like these, you learn to live again and you learn to love again. But there was one line in that song called, I'm a little divided. Do I stay or run away and leave it all behind? And I'm sure that thought has gone through him. How do I, because the Foo Fighters are actually one of the few bands that have been around for 20 years the other a lot of the bands from the late 90s and and the aughts are not they kind of had a couple of hits and they're gone and to make a long story short in the middle of this song dave grohl just has to take a break it's it's kind of like watching a boxer he makes it through the first verse and then backs away from the mic and then comes back up and when he hits that second verse with that line you can see him start to He's just off by a couple beats. He's kind of getting just a little extra breath to continue. And I watched that and was just like, wow, because it was so vulnerable. It was so real. It actually, the concert was great. It did make me sad. The the dead drummer, Taylor's two kids, both play drums. One looks identical to him. And the other one I'm going to say is eight. And the kid looked like Animal from the Muppets. It was this phenomenal drummer from this little kid but it was real. And so if you can do, if you want to come back to a topic because you feel like it, here's the beautiful thing. It's your show. It's your show. If you want to talk about it, 
talk about it because it's going to be real. Not like, well, today we're going to talk about gear because it's the third week of the month and we always talk about gear. Nah, go with go with what's in your heart would be my advice because it's going to come through. You can't fake real. You just can't. And I think your audience knows that. They can sense when it's real unless you're a really good actor or actress. But that would be my advice. When do you bring something back when you really want to talk about it, when you can be real talking about it? And again, you don't have to, but if you've got new material, bring it on back. A little later on, I'm going to talk about podcast movement, which is going to bring up the topic of dialogue. And what's fun is today I've got an interview with Tanner Campbell. And when this guy first came on the scene, he drove me nuts. He really did. I was like, wait, what? Because he was thinking way outside the box. And at one point, we kind of went at each other like cats on Twitter. And then we met at Podcast Movement and actually had a dialogue. Like, this is why I think what I think. Oh, this is what you think. And it's kind of interesting because we both still agree to disagree. There's going to be some things I say, and he's going to be like, what? In fact, we had a lot of fun at Podcast Movement arguing. It was a phenomenal discussion. And I love it because he was very passionate about his side. And I was like, nah, I can't do that because if you know Spotify has all the power, then they can kick you out and there's nothing you can do. It was this great conversation. And so in the process of listening to his show, Good Morning Podcasters, he got a couple other shows we'll be talking about here that I was like, wow, this guy's actually been spending a lot of money advertising a show. And I realized that a lot of us now are looking at one way to grow our audience is to spend money to run ads on other podcasts. And in this case, we're talking about apps, not so much like an audio ad, but they put up little banners in the applications is what Tanner is talking about here. So if this is something you're interested in, Here is my talk with the one and only Tanner Campbell. I'm one of those people that thinks that most of us, all of us, have 99% of things in common. And then we have 1% of things that we viscerally disagree about. And we focus on that 1% and ignore everything else that makes us similar. It's a real pain. Yes, there we go. But that is the voice of one Tanner Campbell. You can find him at TannerHelps.com. And I keep hearing you say these things. And I was like, we need to organize these. You've probably done this anywhere, but you've advertised or tried many different advertising systems. And a lot of people are like, well, the way to grow your show is to basically, I call it following the movie strategy. Because if you think about it, movies spend boatloads of money to advertise on all sorts of stuff. They try to get you in the theater so that you will then tell a friend to come see it. And so that's what people are doing. They're like, look, I can't get my audience to find me. So I'm going to put, my ad in front of wherever they are and hope then that that will then spur the word of mouth kind of thing. And I was like, let's get Tanner on because you've played with a ton of these. Who should be running ads for their podcast? Is there somebody who shouldn't? No, I think everybody should. But here's the thing. CPA, I want to make sure that I define that. So CPA is cost per acquisition. And that means how much it costs you to get a subscriber in this case. If it costs you a dollar ninety to get a subscriber, which is what I commonly get across platforms. I mean, $1.90 per person, you want to grow 1,000 people. I mean, what's $1.90 times 1,000? It's a significant amount of money. If you don't have some kind of structure built around your podcast, a business structure built around your podcast, it doesn't make a lot of sense to spend that money to get those listeners. So I think everyone should 
spend money to get listeners for their podcast because I think it's one of the only ways to avoid burnout within the first year before organic kicks in. If you even have a website, if you're even paying attention to organic, if you have an organic strategy, which sadly a lot of podcasters do not, which I know you've talked a lot about, Mm. it's going to keep you from burning out. But my advice is while everybody should do it, everybody should have some kind of business structure around their podcast because it's hard to justify that 150 to 250 acquisition cost if you don't have a way to earn the money back. That's my whole thing when people talk about this. I'm like, okay, is this a business or a hobby? And I realize hobby is some people see that real negative. So is it a passion project or whatever? In other words, an enthusiast, you're a podcast enthusiast. Enthusiast. I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was a musician, I spent hundreds of dollars on guitars and stuff, and I would then make it back a hundred dollars a weekend. But I was having a blast and it was a good time. So I didn't mind it. So that's, if that's you, if you're an enthusiast, you don't mind spending a couple hundred bucks here and a couple hundred bucks there because you're having a great time, then mm-hmm. fine. But just have that expectation that, okay, this is going to cost you some money and you're going to get paid in fun. I like um, to get paid in fun. Yeah. Fun doesn't pay my <laughs> other bills, but I don't mind a little <laughs> fun here and there. Yeah. So I think Spotify has a, a deal that you can... They no. do. So Spotify has an, I would call it an emerging ads platform. Now I'm only going to call it an emerging ads platform because I'm a podcaster trying to go grow podcasts, but I gave up on it because they do have this ability to advertise on podcasts. You can do that. However, you have to provide the copy to the Spotify crew and they'll create the ad for you and then they'll put it on the podcast and the advertisement cannot be for a podcast. This is true. Four months ago, I haven't been back since they told me that because I thought what we really want is for a podcast to be able to advertise a podcast specifically within the same category because we want to be able to get in front of an audience we already know is going to like us. But Spotify currently, unless something's changed in the last four months, doesn't allow you to do that. It will only allow brands to do it. They cannot be podcasts and they have to allow the Spotify team to create the ad. So I could have a an ad for the School of Podcasting mm-hmm. as a business, but not the School of Podcasting podcast. That's right. And you couldn't create it. You'd have no. to have them create it. Now, you can get around this in a really weird way. You can say, I want to run a traditional ad for a brand. And your brand can be your podcast. And you can target people who have recently listened to a podcast, but you can't get any more granular than that which is outrageously annoying. (laughs) So I saw that my cost per acquisition was around $4 to $7 on Spotify, which even I, who I have a business surrounding my podcast, I can't justify. Yeah, that gets expensive quick. What's the minimum buy on Spotify? 250 the last time I ran a campaign. So it sounds exciting until you find out that you got all sorts of hoops to jump through. And it's interesting. All right. What's another one we should check out? Overcast. Love Overcast. Mm -hmm. It can get a little bit expensive depending on what your category is because so all of these podcast apps, I should say that's where we're running these ads. These are not audio ads. These are display ads within podcast player apps. They all have a limited limited amount of inventory. They're not going to flood their app in an overwhelming way with millions of ads because that's just untenable. And also, of course, they wouldn't be able to deliver that many ads. So every category in Overcast has a limited number of advertisers that can buy into that category for a 30-day period. And if you're in, for example, the business category, it might cost you $1,200 for the month. But if you buy into the, I think the most recent one I ran was in the fiction category, I bought in for 
250 or 310, I can't remember. And that's pretty affordable. And I got about $1.90 per acquisition on that. So it, the ad ran for a month and uh, I saw a pretty, pretty good acquisition on that. I like that $1.90. That felt pretty good. I like anything less than 250. That's where I feel comfortable. I realize that right now your your brain might be going numbers, numbers, more numbers, numbers. Yeah, these are going to be in the show description at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 843. And I know you have courses. Are you able to track that this customer that bought my course came from Overcast or are we just happy that they clicked and subscribed? I'm happy they clicked and subscribed and bought the course kind of person, but I do have, of course, smart links to track where the traffic comes from. So I use a tool called switchy.io. And so anytime I speak a link in my show or anytime I put a link in my show notes, it's a switchy link. And they actually might even have a deal right now, a lifetime deal for 50 or 60 bucks on AppSumo. That's where I got it. So I don't have to pay a monthly for it. AppSumo is great for anybody who's buying SaaS software. It's just terrific. <laughs> You can spend a lot of money on things maybe you'll yes. never use, but <laughs> talking about things that <laughs> buying things you don't need yeah. and watching your budget go out the window. Yes. But it's fun to watch that budget go out the window yeah. when you get cool tools. Yeah. So I'll track in that way and I can see I'm only putting that switchy link in the show notes of an episode. And I know that this was the referral for this purchase. And of course, once they're on my page, my, my pixel tracks them. And so I can tell within a reasonable amount margin of error that they're coming from the podcast at least. And I have to make some assumptions about whether or not they came as a result of that ad or as an existing listener. But pretty much the way it works is if I can consistently grow the podcast audience, I can consistently keep new students coming into the course. I think, if I remember right, CastBox has a deal? CastBox does. I've never actually worked with them. Ariel Nissenblatt, who, of course, everybody who listens to this show probably knows them really well. And that is a very, from what I understand, they don't have an automated process to do this. You can't go to like castbox.com slash ads. Right. The way you can go to overcast.com slash ads to request that you run an ad on their platform or in their app, but you have to reach out to them directly. And I don't know, I've actually never run an ad on Castbox, so I don't know what it costs and I don't know how effective it is, but people do, at least word of mouth, what I've heard from people is that that is a really good really well-performing platform. I've yet to run an ad on it, though. Hmm. All right. What's another app that does run ad? Podcast Addict does. That's hmm. one that's automated, and it's a lot cheaper than Overcast on the whole, but I have found also that it doesn't perform as well. It's about 50% cheaper and performs 50% as well. <laughs> so there's some give and take there. I recently ran an ad on there, I think, for about $250, and I got just about 60% for the same podcast I mentioned earlier, I got about 60%, 55% of the traffic I got on the Overcast ad for just a little bit more money. So if I were going to choose between Podcast Addict and Overcast, I would choose Overcast. But something that's important to note is that these podcast apps, they have their own unique audiences and users. It might be true that a business podcast performs really well on Player FM. And maybe Player FM is geared towards a business podcast audience. Maybe the largest percentage of their user base is our business people. And that's what they want. And the largest percentage of Overcast might be fiction podcast people, which is what I was running the ad in. And you have to test on these platforms to make that determination because you might run an ad on Overcast and it'll slay, absolutely kill. 
And then you run the same exact ad on Player FM and it'll do abysmally. And the only thing you can account for is maybe these user bases are different in what they tend to like. And you have to experiment to figure that out. I know in the past, you used to have a video, I think, on your website about that showed people how to do Facebook ads. Mm-hmm. And so obviously that's some place that you can throw up an ad. And the thing I always get about Facebook ads is every time I try to learn them, by the time I've gone through all the tutorials, they've changed their interface. <laughs> yeah, they are the Microsoft 365 of ads <laughs> platforms for sure. <laughs> oh, only IT people will get that, but they change stuff like every six months and they don't tell you. It's annoying. Yeah. So obviously you have experience with that. What are your thoughts on Facebook ads these days? When I started selling advertising services to corporate clients, man, Facebook was the way. You could get so many subscribers to your show for such little money. I'm talking about like sub 50 cents, sub 30 cents a subscriber. And you had to make some assumptions about those subscribers because, of course, there were certain things you couldn't track. But ever since iOS 14.5 and the way that Facebook ads has changed, and of course, iOS 14.5's effects on the entire industry, it's gotten less lucrative, let's say. And it took me a while to admit that because I was a hardcore Facebook. I was so good at it. And I'm like, no, it's slipping away from me. I was so upset about it. It's still good for engagement. It's still good, of course, for growing community on Facebook. It's still good for sending traffic to a website and using the pixel to capture demographic data about the people who are interacting with your ads. But as far as actually growing a podcast audience, and I learned this, I learned this in a really hard way, which I won't talk about, but yeah, it's not what it used to be. So my recommendation for people now is, yeah, put a budget towards Facebook ads, maybe $5 a day. That's pretty affordable for most people, $150 a month. And use it to drive traffic to your website. Use it to inform the pixel that you have installed on your website so that when you one day decide to run a campaign for maybe a course that you're selling, which is, of course, what I do. It's how I monetize my podcast or a special event that you're doing live. You can create an ad campaign for ticket sales or something like that using that pixel data. And that'll perform really, really well. But getting someone now to click on a Facebook ad and go to, and the way I used to target these, if people are interested, is I create a traffic ad and I would send people specifically to the Apple podcast listing for the podcast. And I would make sure that I was only targeting people who, of course, you know, the regular interest that you would need for whatever podcast it was. But also, you're only on an iOS device. You're only on Wi-Fi. And the reason I would do that is because two parts, only on Wi-Fi, because if you're traveling and you find a Facebook ad, you're less inclined, by my research anyway, to interact with it. But if you're home, then you're much more likely to check out something like a new podcast. And then I would limit it to iOS because if you click on an iOS ad, or rather if you click on a link that goes to Apple Podcasts, then on your iOS device, it's going to open the app natively. So it's a one-click, two-click conversion funnel, which is a very short funnel, as anybody in ads would know. And so it had a very high conversion rate. But it just doesn't work as well as it used to. Stupid Facebook and stupid Facebook. Oh, sorry, Meta. Thing. It's Meta. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Do you have a favorite? Ooh, yes. A budget notwithstanding, right? Because okay. it also happens to be one of the most expensive is Player FM. So Player FM will allow you to run what they call flights, and it starts at bronze and then has silver, gold, and platinum. And 
the lowest you can do, of course, is bronze. And if memory serves, that's a $2,000 campaign that spends in two weeks. Ouch. Ouch is right. You get about a thousand to two thousand subscribers from that. So you're averaging something like a dollar sixty per acquisition, which is the best I've seen anywhere. The other thing I wanted to ask you about is you recently somewhat pivoted your strategy around podcasting and you kind of basically said, Look, if you want to hear my stuff, pay me. Yeah. In a nutshell. <laughs> is that summarizing it pretty accurately? Kinda. Ultimately, okay. I think functionally, yes. But what I have begun to recognize about myself and that people have been pointing out forever, you've pointed this out yourself, is that I am, I'm a little bit of an abrasive personality. I probably don't sound it in this interview, but I'm very curt. I'm very direct. I don't have a lot of consideration for, well, my emotions around this issue are like, I don't care. That's your own problem. I just want to tell you the things. And that has created a reality for me where a lot of people think I'm not in this to help. And the thing is that those people can be unkind. And I might seem like a brick wall of emotion, but in truth, I spend as much time on people who think I'm full of it mentally as I do on people who believe in me and want to work with me. And that's problematic because it means I spend a lot of time on Twitter, which is like my home base. I spend a lot of time on Twitter in like negative discussions, like defending points of view and like trying to bring people around. And I love it. Dave, this is you. (laughs) We're talking about you and me partially. When somebody who doesn't like me then gets to know me and they're like, oh, wait a minute. I actually do like this guy because now I get what he's about because I've taken the time to invest to figure him out. And Brian Barletta actually pointed out to me once that maybe I shouldn't make it that difficult. (laughs) It's kind of part of who I am. I am a direct person and I feel like you're going to be the best of my friends if you can take the time to invest to figure out what kind of guy I am and then realize that I'm actually here to help. And I just, I think I got tired of that struggle on a day-to-day because you see it on Twitter. It is daily. It is an onslaught of what has Tanner said now? We got to go dogpile on him. And <laughs> like 10 people out of the hundred that get mad at me will be, will get it and they'll come away from it. And I'll feel good about getting those people. But that other 90, it's rough. So I decided to paywall my podcast on every day except Monday because I do a daily. And I decided to limit my Twitter interactions to my private Twitter group because really what I want and what I realized about myself at Podcast Movement after a bit of introspection was that I really like to feel like people are taking my advice and applying it. I don't like having to defend or prove my advice necessarily. I like people to come in and say, I trust you. I like you. I feel like I know you. And I'm here to listen. And maybe that's a little egotistical on my part, but that was really what motivated the move was that I just wanted to work with a captive audience that I didn't have to argue with or I didn't have to convince that they knew my history and where I come from and what my expertise is. Is that a plural of expertise? Expertise? Expertise. No, that doesn't work either. What my expertise is and, uh, you know, showed up to do work instead of showed up to argue or to make accusations. It's better for me, ultimately. So it's not a money thing. It's a mental health thing, which was important. There you go. That's it. Absolutely. If it's not fun, why would you do it? And what system are you using to deliver this? I'm using Supercast. I really like Supercast. I was actually caught in kind of a, it was a difficult position because I didn't know about the service that I had since learned since Podcast Movement. And that was a lot of my audience, for example, my Practical Stoicism podcast, hugely popular. 
got 200 reviews or something on Apple Podcasts. It's got 3,600 reviews on Spotify, like 90% of the audience is on Spotify. And I was like, all right, I want to do something to monetize this. It's been six or seven months with this podcast and I want to create an offering. And I thought, well, that's going to be challenging because 90% of my audience is on Spotify. And Spotify users, not to take anything away from them, but if somebody is listening to podcasts on Spotify, they're probably new to podcasting in general. They're not going to know what Overcast is or Apple Podcasts or whatever. And I thought, they're probably not going to want to try to use another app to listen to podcasts. And you can't import RSS feeds to Spotify, or so I thought. As it turns out, Supercast has some kind of special access, or I don't even know what it's called, but... They have some sort of special arrangement with Spotify where if you subscribe to my podcast through Supercast, you can, in fact, listen to that secured private feed through Spotify. So that was the jump I made, because if it wasn't going to be that, it was going to be Supercast. And I don't know if we have enough time to go over how much I don't like Patreon. They have they are the kings of what is it? First something advantage. First uh, first mover advantage. Yeah. Yeah. They were the first ones. Almost the first one. There was Google had one called jaywalk and right after patreon came out i was like oh here comes google and they bought it and shut it down but that makes sense because i know when i first discovered you you were all spotify all the time Mm -hmm. it was like we don't need rss spotify has everything every so that makes sense that your audience is really big on spotify because you were kind of promoting it so little bit of clarification there i actually love open source I love the idea of RSS as an individual human being who doesn't have to tell people how to make money, (laughs) right? Right, As Tanner, the individual. But in reality, when you're telling someone who has a pretty big, busy, stressful job as a podcast creator to create something, market something, monetize something, telling them to do it on Anchor through Spotify that gives you all of these tools, it's easier to help them be successful on that than it is to say, you know what, instead, let's distribute everything through RSS and let's have you split all of your marketing attention across 70 different platforms. (laughs) And if you thought this was overwhelming before, boy, oh boy, it's going to be really overwhelming now. So it's more of like a practical approach to, to growth and monetization for indies. That's really what I'm here for, is to help people who really enjoy what they do and have gotten over the hurdle of money ruins art. Because of course, a lot of us, I started that way. I was like making money for my art. Oh, this is the worst idea. My art, man. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I was there too. But as soon as people cross over that and say, no, wait a minute, I'm actually creating art and value. People are consuming it on a daily or weekly basis. I feel like I should get a little something out of this. So when people get to that point, I'm the guy who comes in and says, okay, hey, this is how we're going to do it. I know you don't like the idea of a business or an LLC or making money, but that's what's going to happen. And if you just let me ruin your life for three months, you'll be really happy (laughs) in month four. There you go. Well, again, proving, because every my whole audience right now is, oh my God, Tanner just said something positive about Anchor. Dave's going to blow his... My audience knows I'm not an Anchor fan, and yet I'm not going to jump through the screen and, and punch you in the face. So you're allowed to have an opinion. So Thank that's, you. That's I appreciate that. You yeah, should get a, yeah. You should, I, get a, you should get a booth at Podcast Movement. <laughs> <laughs> Only some right. people will get that. I know you have, obviously, Good Morning Podcasters. 
what are the podcasts you have? I have Good Morning Podcasters, which is, of course, like you, podcasts for podcasters. I have Practical Stoicism, which is for people who are interested in Stoicism, but think like the dude, bro, tech startup boardroom version of Stoicism is lame because it is. And think that the overly traditional, like, we're going to do this the way we did 2000 years ago is impractical. For people who are interested in Stoicism, but are not in one of those two camps, it's for them to learn and get familiar with a philosophical practice that's over 2000 years old, and I think is pretty swell. And then I have the Dictionary of Mythology and Folklore, which is a daily, same as my Good Morning Podcasters. And then I have one that's about to launch on Jam Street Media called Mythology and Folklore with Tanner and Eric, which is a full storytelling experience, sound design, all the cool stuff. It's coming out in about a month, I think. And then there's a follow-up between me and my host, Eric, where and Eric is an art history major and Greek and Latin And so he has an academic understanding of mythology and folklore, and I have a passion for storytelling, understanding of mythology and folklore. And we just tear it apart and talk about what we got from it. And when I say tear it apart, I mean dissect it. I don't mean we don't make fun of it, but we explore our thoughts and what we got from the story. And it's one of my favorite things to do, to just talk about what maybe these stories meant when they were written in Romania 400 years ago. It's fun. It's fun. (laughs) There you go. All right, my friend. Thank you so much for... uh sharing your experience with buying ads on places. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. It's been a blast. And I'll have links to all of his shows as well as his main website, TannerHelps.com. Thank you, Tanner. And I, it's so weird. After I got done interviewing Tanner, I joined a website called Podpreneurs because, you know, it's Podpreneurs. Uh, And in there, now this is from Sarah St. John. I actually found her book, which is about podcast monetization. But in this website, she mentions you can promote on Podbay ads. I've never heard of it. $25 for a day. That gets kind of expensive quick. Then she mentioned Castro for $99 a week. And they have impressions and things like that, that uh, you can kind of figure out which one's better or worse. She mentioned Pocket Cast ads. I think Tanner mentioned that one, as well as Podcast Attic. And she has a rate sheet for Overcast, things like that. And again, Spotify at 250. And numbers, numbers, one place we haven't mentioned Buzzsprout ads. And that one is different. That's an audio ad that you're putting in. So you have to make sure that your ad is good. And be careful not to make it all about you. Like, hey, I've been doing this for that. And we do this. And we. How is the audience going to benefit? And I'm also going to reiterate one thing that Tanner said, and that is it doesn't make much sense to run ads to grow your podcast if you don't have a business. Like, what's the return on investment besides, oh, my audience is bigger? That's true. And so, again, if you are a podcast enthusiast, maybe this isn't for you. Go the organic route to grow your audience. But I just know it's something that people are thinking about. And keep in mind, I mentioned the movie kind of strategy here. That's what they do. They spend lots of money on advertising to get you in the theater and then make sure, hopefully, that the movie is so good that people tell their friends. And that's the part I think that most people, I'm going to harp on this again, I don't think people are getting feedback. They're getting feedback from Apple Podcasts and things like that. No, no, no. I'm talking about find somebody that you did not grow up with or are related to 
to listen to your show. I had somebody on my Saturday morning show that basically just wanted me to listen to the show. And I'm like, well, I kind of do that. It's called podcast review show or podcast rodeo show. I do listen to shows. If you want some honest, constructive feedback, I can do that. But it's one of those things where don't just go put money into stuff without tracking it. Notice that Tanner was using, I think he said Stitchio or Switchio. Switchio, I do have a link to that in the show notes. So don't just blow money. Do it in a way that's educated and smart. And also something else that I know Tanner's done in the past is do one at a time. Because if you sit there and go, oh, I'm going to go podcast and casserole and and this at the same, you don't kind of know in some cases which one's working and which one's not. You want to kind of do one at a time. Now, granted, hopefully their panel will let you know how many clicks and things like that. But when you do any kind of testing, you want to do one test at a time. All right, a little disclaimer here. The following is simply my opinion only. And there were some things that happened at Podcast Movement 22 that actually made the national news. And so this is my opinion and my plea for dialogues and not cancellation. So it's not about planning and launching and growing your podcast. So if that's what you're here for, you can simply go back and listen to any of the other 842 episodes. Thank you so much for listening. Here are my thoughts on Podcast Movement 22 in Dallas. I wasn't going to talk about this. I kind of want it to just go away, but I had a number of people reach out, especially on my live Saturday morning show that said, hey, I tuned in to hear you talk about this. Well, what is this? And that is Podcast Movement 22 in Dallas. And this was a couple weeks ago. So let me tell it to you this way. I sat down at a table and I met someone named Eve And she had asked, hey, did you hear about the tweet heard around the world? And I was like, what? And she showed it to me. And it was a picture that someone had taken and posted on Twitter of a guy named Ben Shapiro about 50 feet away from the camera. The caption was, hey, podcast movement, WTF. And to that, I asked, well, who is Ben Shapiro? And Eve pointed out that uh, the booth we were sitting in front of, she said, that guy there, he came in. And he took pictures with people for about 10 minutes. I saw the whole thing, she said. And I'm not sure why they're apologizing about this. All he did was take pictures. And the apology that was put out on the Podcast Movement Twitter feed has since been removed. But here it is. Because, you know, the internet writes in ink. Hi, folks. We owe you an apology before sessions kick off for the day. Podcast Movement tweeted Thursday morning. Yesterday afternoon, Ben Shapiro briefly visited the PM22 Expo area near the Daily Wire booth. Though he was not registered or expected, we take full responsibility for the harm done by his presence. To those that called this unacceptable, they are right. In nine wonderful years growing and celebrating this medium, PM has made mistakes. The pain caused by this one will always stick with us. We promise that sponsors will be more carefully considered moving forward. Now, that confused me on a a couple things. Number one, I I need to understand, apparently harm has been redefined because I don't understand how I can be harmed by someone's presence. I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. I do understand how someone's presence can be triggering, but I take harm as something where 
you know, I was bruised. I Something broke, something like that. Physical pain. So let me explain what I mean by this. In junior high uh, and, and really high school, I, by today's standards, they, I mean, they were awful. I was bullied. Uh, I was belittled a lot on a regular basis. And there was a guy, we will call him Norman. That's not his real name. And his parents were rich and mine were not. And to make a long story short, I was in Norman's very nice house and I saw that he had a guitar in his closet. Now I play the guitar too. And I asked, I said, Hey, is that a Fender Stratocaster? To which he said, yes, it's American made. Now for those non-guitar players, that means it's a lot more expensive. And I asked him, I said, Hey, uh, can I play it? And, uh, cause he didn't even play the guitar. The thing was dusty, you know, and, uh, to this Norman replied, yeah, buy your own again, pointing out that he had one. Yeah. And that's just one example of Norman. And there were many when I went to my high school reunion, well, in walk Norman. And, uh, of course he, he was there. He met the criteria. He was part of my graduating class. And I wasn't happy to see him. And if I wanted to, right, I could have left. But instead, I ignored him. I didn't demand an apology from the people that organized the reunion. And that's how I kind of think about this situation. Ben Shapiro met the criteria to be at this conference. He's a podcaster. In fact, he has a very popular show. His network is number six out of all the networks, and he has less shows. So that means his episodes are very popular. In the same way, I'm like, look, everybody's like, oh, he shouldn't have even been here. I'm like, no, he met the criteria. He's a podcaster. Now, if we go back to Norman, did he harm me? No. In fact, Norman, he kind of helped make me who I am. It wasn't fun, but I don't think it's a coincidence that I'm the guy who wrote the book, Profit from Your Podcast. I mean, I've been struggling to make money ever since I was 14. And what I would recommend here is instead of going out on Twitter, speak with your wallet and not your mouth. You know, previous to podcast movement, there was a thing called the New Media Expo. It had podcasting, it had blogging, video, social media, all sorts of stuff. It was this hodgepodge. And I was there at their last event when a bunch of people said, you know, this is kind of cool and all, but it would be even better if we could create one of these that was just podcasts. And hence, podcast movement was born. In fact, they put up, I think it was a Kickstarter, and it oversold. Like they had to move to a bigger event. It was really something that people wanted. So if you want an event that talks about what you want to talk about, well, create it. I mean, it seems to work. And if you don't believe me, go to She Podcast in Washington, D.C. You can make your own conference. But one thing I want to point out here is I understand your goal is to silence and mute Ben Shapiro. But by bringing up Ben Shapiro, there were people like me who went, who? And you know that the first time I got connected to Wi-Fi, the first thing I did was download his show. What, what, what? So by trying to silence him, you may have actually inadvertently grown his audience. It's just something to think about. But when I went out to the podcast movement websites, one of the lines is, we are com we're a complex community. And that is true. There are many sides to this podcast family. 
And I understand that, uh, you know, for me, I could see where we might want to do something out of the page of We Are the World. Now, I realize that's an old reference that goes back to 1985. And it was this song that was created, I think, to aid Africa at the time. And they had people like Michael Jackson and Bono and Steve uh, Perry from Journey and Bruce Springsteen, all of them in the same room. And they had a sign that said, check your ego at the door so that everyone would just be there to work on the song. And so I hear people saying, can we just have a check your politics at the door sign? And that seems to make sense as we're there to focus on content creation, not politics. But I've also worked with a lesbian who explained to me how she was spit on growing up. And maybe being in a room with a bunch of Ben Shapiro fans might make you fearful. I would understand that. My only thing that I'm confused on is do you then feel that fear when you go to Walmart? Because I'm here to tell you, podcasters are some of the coolest people on the planet. And I also understand that some people feel that podcast movement apologized unnecessarily. You know, you might be expected to apologize for everything. If you just keep handing out apologies willy-nilly, you're just going to give them out. And it kind of loses the power of an apology. And the analogy here is, have you ever been around like a, I don't know, two-year-old? They fall over and they look up to see if anyone saw them. And if they did, they cry. And a parent who sees this typically will often go over to them and say, look, I know you're scared. You fell down, but you're okay. You're okay. You're okay. And the child then learns that not everything is something to cry about. That could have been one response. And as someone who was married to someone who I felt never apologized, I know how soul-crushing it can be to need an apology and not get it. So I can see where when someone wants an apology, they should probably get one. And on the other hand, I'm kind of like, well, maybe you should have just said, you're okay. It's okay. He's not going to hurt you. So I'm confused. The one other thing I'm confused about is what happened to all the people driving Toyota Priuses with a coexist bumper? I mean, where did those people go? And and please realize something else here. As I, I listen to a little bit of Ben, we need to quote our sources. Everyone needs to, because nobody believes anything anymore. And that really, to me, if somebody, you know, whatever, 40 years from now goes, what was the downfall of the United States? I'm going to say we lost the definition of truth. We couldn't tell what was true. I was listening to Ben again, because I was like, what's the big deal? And he said things like, well, the government lied to us two years ago. And I was like, okay, like where, when? Is this in the show notes? And the answer was uh, no. He was just kind of spewing opinion. And consequently, he did that a lot. And I was kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm not just going to take it face value here. And so likewise, though, because I actually Googled, I'm like, why, does, why do people hate Ben Shapiro? Like, what's so bad about this guy? And I saw multiple people say he wants to kill me. What, what, what? Okay, I'm not denying that he, like, but... Can we get a source here? Because I finally had to go to the GLAD website that said that he feels homosexuality, basically, in a nutshell, I'm going to paraphrase, is a mental disorder. And I went, well, if I was homosexual 
Yeah, that'd be a little offensive, I think. So I finally, like, okay, there's a reason. I get that. But we need to cite our sources. And everybody's like, yeah, but Dave, like, what do you think? Right? Because if I spot my opinion, and this is kind of part of the problem here, everybody wants to draw a line. Everybody wants to politicize everything. Oh, you're reading that book? Did you know back in 1876, that publisher, you can't read that book, can't read any of those books. And that album there, that's made with that kind of, you can't listen to that. And everything is politicized. And I was like, really, do we have to politicize everything? Can't we just consume content sometimes? So what would I have done? Now realize everybody has a different answer to this question. So for me, I would have gone to the people that were complaining and say, look, I know you're scared. You're worried about this guy. You're worried about his his audience. But you're at a podcast conference here. And maybe you've never been here. And that's kind of one of the things, again, I'm kind of confused on is these people have been at conferences before. They should know podcasters are cool. And I would say everybody here is, is cool. You don't have to worry. But if you see anything, let me know. Now, am I mad that they apologized? Because some people are. I'm not. It's their conference. Do whatever you want. Are you going to go in the future? Absolutely. I have been disappointed when they canceled speakers in the past because if those people are big enough to be approved as a speaker, I could have learned something from them. In fact, and this is going to get me on hot water, we can learn things from Ben Shapiro. And you're like, what? No, I'm here to tell you, this guy transitions in and out of advertisements in a way that I've never heard anybody. So if you're if you're doing ad reads on your show, go listen to one episode of Ben Shapiro. It's amazing how he does that. Now, if this conference in this case or any conference changes so much that it doesn't serve my needs, I'm not going. Well, I love Dan and Jared. I've known them. I was one of the guys that contributed to that very first podcast movement. They're good people, but they're in a no-win situation. And so to both those guys, thank you, because I realize you're just getting the snot beat out of you. And think about this. Think of, let's say, a wedding. If you've ever planned a wedding, they always are, oh, just a party to plan. But think about it. You have the complexity of food, seating charts, locations, and family squabbles. Now take all that and multiply it by about 5,000, and you've got a podcast conference. It's not as easy as it looks. And also, speaking of family squabbles, realize that not everybody is your family. And you got to be careful because I always say, I'll give you an example. I do a live show called Ask the Podcast Coach. And it's me and my co-host, Jim Cullison. And we answer questions live from a chat room and people send in questions. And a person said, hey, like, I listen every week. And this person really listened. They were quoting, hey, at episode blah, 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 at the 36-minute mark, you guys did this. You should have done this. So it was an actual listener. But there was one problem. They wanted us to do interviews and less of, of this and that and should mix it up. And I was like, hey, thank you for all the consideration and all the ideas. There was one problem. That person is not my target audience. And it doesn't mean I don't care about that person. But all of their ideas wanted to steer the podcast in a direction that I didn't want to go. And so I think sometimes we have to be careful that the people are complaining. We have to look at them and go, is that my target audience? Is this the person supposed to like this show? So I was bummed to see this. 
that after all the hubbub about the apology, one person named Will Williams in an article stated, and Will was one of the people that was complaining, but in an article on the website, it says, I want to be extremely clear. I do not accept this apology. And just that blatant rejection, I felt bad for podcast movement because they had apologized. And when I looked at this article, I go, this is not a person who's interested in dialoguing at all because they continued. They said, this is not an isolated infraction against the humanity of marginalized people by podcast movement. This was not an inevitable mistake, not a small mistake, not a mistake made out of ignorance. It is 2022 anti-trans legislation is in the news constantly. To be ignorant is not an accident. It's a choice. So here, when I look at this, and I'm like, anti-trans legislation, what does that have to do with podcasting and content creation? And it makes me feel that they won't be happy until... Well, it makes me feel like they're never going to be happy event. Now, I'm a dude. And I went to She Podcast, the first one. I wanted to support my friends, Jessica and Elsie. I didn't complain that all the speakers were female and all the topics were for females and everything was like I was one of like six guys there. Jessica and Elsie invite everyone every year to She Podcast. But just know it's for females. And I can't go in and go, wait, where's the diversity? There's nothing here for men. They're going to go, um, it's called She Podcasts. So when you start walking in and going, hey, uh, we have political concerns here, we should be going, um, it's a podcast conference. And another person that is kind of taking like, hey, it was my tweet that started this whole storm, says, I know that I created this tweet. She says, I created about the Daily Wire booth. In this case, this is Tal Miner. And she said, uh, the caption was, oh, come on. But it didn't get any traction. And then she tweeted out the one that uh, had said, hey, podcast movement, WTF. And she said after that, I had to lock my Twitter for safety. Which kind of, again, from an outside point of view, makes it sound like they didn't want to stop until they somehow got some attention. But at the end of the article, she mentions Will Williams and says, I join in in their list of demands. Demands? This is how you talk to friends and family? I demand you do this. Again, I'm not in their shoes. Maybe they're at a point where they have to demand. But here's what they're demanding. I would love to see Jared Easley removed entirely from podcast movement. Now, here's the thing. Again, there are people that want to dialogue, and then there is cancel culture. And when you say, I want to see Jared Easley removed from podcast movement entirely, I don't know if this is Jared's only job. Not only are you taking Jared's livelihood away, he's got a kid and a wife. Because of something he thought or said, I think that is overkill. When we go down, I want podcast movement to develop statements and policies regarding diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I know for a fact they're already doing that. So they are listening. But I, again, I get confused when I hear the word inclusion because it's always inclusion except for that guy. I mean, that goes back to the Pocahontas thing. Did you know, not the Disney Pocahontas. Pocahontas married a rich guy and he was like buku rich. He was in tobacco 
And there was a rule at the time that said if you had one drop of, now it was their word, okay, I'm quoting this here, colored blood, that you couldn't be a, a citizen of the state. So the law actually says you can't be a citizen except for that kid. What, what, what? Because, of course, he was the son of a very rich tobacco farmer. It's insane. So we can't have inclusion with the word, well, except for that people. You're either included or you're not. They also demand I want them to develop standards for whose money they take and whose they reject. And, of course, who's going to make the rules on what they can accept or not? You can't please everyone, and that's why we have to coexist. Uh, And I want them to donate the money they receive from the Daily Wire. And again, I say, when people are making demands, now there are times when people shout and uh, protest and things like that because they're not being heard. But I'm not sure these are people that are really looking to work with you. She continues and she says, look, you know, sometimes I'm too much of an optimist, but I think you all can do it. Build an event I can safely be at. And you'll have me there. And if you don't, so here's the threat, I'll find another conference to speak at. And I'm like, if look, I don't want you to feel fearful. That's no way to live. She says, I'll make my own. To which I say, shepodcast.com. There are other people that have done that. I'm not going to stop being queer and non-binary. I'm not going to stop being a podcaster. I don't know that anybody asked you to. And I'm not going to stop pushing this industry in a better direction. Realize we all have different definitions of better. And again, I go back to the guy or the girl in the Toyota Prius with the coexist. We are looking for a way to coexist. And at the end of this article, it says, get used to it. And if you clown in the replies, it's a block. Freedom of speech protects you from the government but not for me. And I'm here to say that I don't, look, you ready? I'm going to like hang myself with this one. I'm a middle-aged white guy swimming in my own privilege. I realize that I do not understand pronouns. I just don't. I don't get it. I would be happy if someone wants to reach out to me, schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact. And say, hey, Dave, let's get together on Zoom, have a little dialogue. I can help you understand pronouns. And if you can help me understand how you don't feel safe at Podcast Movement, but you do feel safe at Walmart, because in my logical brain, you're out in public. And again, podcasters are the coolest people on the planet. It's one of the safest places on the planet. I don't understand how just the presence, I can understand how the presence can make you go, ah, crap, Luke's who's here. I get that, but the harm part I don't get, and I would love to understand how that works. Maybe it's just an intense trigger. I just know, and I've mentioned this before, it doesn't do any good to come in, shout, cause a bit of a ruckus, and then turn off your Twitter. Because we're, okay, you got my attention. Can we talk about this now? Nope, sorry. Everything's private. We'll come back after everybody's forgotten about this. And I'm like, no, my background is in teaching and I want to understand and I want to learn. And so I'm here. I'm not looking to get canceled. I'm looking to understand. That is my goal. 
Understand before being understood. You've heard me say that on this show many times, thanks to our buddy Stephen Covey. So, and now that I've rambled for 20 minutes, let me also say it was so awesome to see everyone and to see more hardware people getting involved in podcasting and more software people offering solutions and just everyone coming together. And I do have one thing I want to leave with. Remember Eve? The person that took a picture with Ben Shapiro, she was trans. Because when Eve lifted up her head to show me the picture of her standing next to Ben Shapiro, I saw her Adam's apple. And I kind of had my suspicions. And Eve was awesome. We had a great time talking about how the world needs to dialogue a little more. Thanks so much for listening. Until next week, class is dismissed.